guys, welcome to Coffee and Leadership with Pros. I am co-host Amanda Forster and head goalkeeping coach and owner of the Richmond Goalkeeping Academy. What a privilege it is. This is part two of our Don't Hide the Struggle that you are going through podcast with former Houston Dynamo defender, Umar Balo. And I'm telling you guys, what better timing with everything going on with the coronavirus this is an incredible uplifting story if you need a little bit of motivation a little bit of positivity that that joy that you find listening to struggle then now victory stories this is a podcast for you listen in as omar talks about his journey from moving from mali west africa to the united states at nine years old going through multiple evictions from house to house struggle through money and other things but his family and him just continuing to persevere and overcome but more than that his journey and his path to becoming a professional athlete and man I was impacted I was encouraged and empowered by this talk myself guys enjoy it and as feel free Omar it's fine how you doing Omar Balo did I say that yes, right ma'am. Omar yep. Balo. All right. Well, Umar, tell us a little bit about you. Um, I don't know what's the, for me, soccer has been my life, I guess, for the most part. Um, going through school in a, originally from uh, Mali, West Africa. Okay. So I was born and raised there until I was about nine, 10. And then the story kind of takes itself. I came over here at nine around 2000 just 2000 2001 and then just been here since yeah yeah and and you've had an amazing career can you tell us a little bit that about you know from high school on up to your professional days uh yeah uh for high school honestly me as a player i didn't really realize how good I was and on top like with everything going on for me everything didn't work out as well as it would for other people just because not being from here I'm considered international so for me going through high school and stuff like that like I had a um, a public school that I was meant to go to which was Parkville High School I was meant to go there and a week before I was supposed to go there Originally, I was I was being recruited by Carver Hall, which is a, a private high school around here, and I was in talking Maryland? to them. Yes, in Maryland, uh, okay. I was talking to them for a while, and then towards kind of a week or two left of talking to them and being recruited there, the administrator or whoever I was being recruited by just lost contact. We I couldn't get in touch with him. Emailed him, called him. Everything I could do, I couldn't get in touch with them. So for the two weeks, I tried to scramble and try to find school. And this, this was two weeks before school had to start. So before the start of school. So I scrambled around a little bit. And Archbishop Curley, which is the high school that I went to, they weren't necessarily recruiting me at the time. But they came to watch uh, the club. I played for the Baltimore Bays. So they were looking at a goalie at the time. And they came to actually watch that goalie and ended up seeing me play. So once they saw me play, they wanted me, they wanted to recruit me as well. So the week left before I had to attend school is kind of when they made all their offers and stuff like that. 
So once they made an offer, I kind of was like, all right, at the end of the day, for me, Cabo Hall didn't work out, but this is a, a, another school that, and the day, it's a funny story because driving by the school all the time with my dad, I used to always say, this is the school I want to go to. This is the school I wanted to go to. And it ended up being the school that I went to. So it, it Got to be like careful what you speak, right? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? What <laughs> See, what we learned that for. with the little CEO. You know, yeah. we've been calling him that since he's six months old. Now he goes around with his hands on his hips at practice and bossing the kids around. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. No, that's, that's funny. And that's what, I, what I've always thought and, and everything I've done in life. It's kind of what you put into it that you get out. So to me overall, like, yeah, like the school I was being recruited by, I didn't ultimately end up there. But for me, it was always, what was the next step? You know, what's next? So whenever what's next kind of showed up, obviously, to me as a soccer player early on as a kid, you're not always going to know what you're going to do, what you want to do. Yeah. So to me, like, whatever steps help you get there, yeah. and as much advice as you can get, get that, get that advice. Because to me, like, some people might say school is the best way to go, but for school, that's obviously if you want an education as well as playing yeah so to me like the process was a lot of people like oh you should go do this you should go do that but for me my family I'll be the first one to finish college once I graduate so to me that that's been a step and high school was always a step for me so once I got recruited to Curly I just I went with it and Ended up being All-American two years in a row there. And then all on my A, earned a lot of awards there while I was there, which then proceeded to me being recruited by colleges and so forth. So, so where did you end up going to college at? Uh, UMBC. But I, what for, is UMBC? For University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Sorry. <laughs> is, this, is that the, real, the, the big Maryland or a subcampus? No, it's uh, U University of Maryland is its own campus, and UMBC is like kind of twenty minutes, twenty five minutes down the road. So okay, it kind of around the Baltimore area still, but the, the Baltimore County area mostly. Now, what division soccer is that? Uh, it is American East. It's still D one. D one. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So yeah. NCAA. Yeah. Right on. NCAA D1 is just American East Conference. It's just a different conference. That's all it is. Than Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, uh, well, yeah, and Maryland is ACC. So it's, ACC. it's a little bit, yeah. A little, little different. <laughs> yeah, so. just a little bit. I mean, but we beat them. The, the funny thing is, though, even. <laughs> Wait, even, hold on. Aren't I'm they on the men's side one of the best teams, like, in they the are ACC? One of the best teams. <laughs> My thing is, though. For me, at least how I look at it is most of the players there we've played with, the players that, that were at UMBC, we've played with or played against going through all club. So mm -hmm. it didn't make a difference the name of the school to us. To us, yeah. it's just at the end of the day, like, yes, it might have been one of the bigger ACC teams, but we went on and beat them in a the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it it wasn't necessarily the name of the school. It was the competition that we were looking at, and we grew up with most of those kids. We grew up with most of those people that played on this Maryland Maryland team. So we already knew most of them. And on top of that, even if we didn't play with them, we trained with with the kids outside of of organized soccer enough, or just play pickup enough to understand who those players were. 
Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that it, just the name itself. Like, yeah, Maryland is an ACC, but us as UMBC, we didn't look at ourselves at any less. We didn't look yeah. at ourselves at any competitors, and we ended up beating them uh, our first round or second round going into the MC- NCAA tournament my nice. last year. Nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, we played, we played them three times that year, too, and we beat them all three times. So it wasn't wow. like it was. It wasn't like it was a surprise to us that we beat College Park or Maryland as a school. It was yeah. just at the end of the day, it was just another competition in front of us on what we had to do. We just kept pushing, and yeah. there was just somebody else in front of us that we had to beat. And you we didn't ended get. Up, you didn't get caught up with comparison. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. Really, and so, so from um, how long were you at uh, UMBC? I was there for three years, from 2012, spring of 2012, to what fall of 2014 when I got drafted by Houston. So, how did the draft come about? Talk to me about that. Uh, honestly, I don't even know. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I want to be like Umar. <laughs> I don't know how I went pro, guys. I'm just here. No, it's not it's not even that. It's just the fact that for me, like soccer in a whole is is meant to be fun. Yeah. So for me, I was just enjoying my ride. My my whatever situation I was in, I was enjoying it to the fullest. And so whatever came after was what I went into. Because to me, like your vision gets, at least how I see it is, your vision gets distracted when you look too far ahead. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, you, you, you can have your major goals. You can have whatever you want to accomplish. You can have that. But all that is a subconscious to whatever you're doing at the moment. So if, for example, going pro, yes, it was a subconscious. Yes, it was something that I thought of. Yes, it's something a goal that I wanted to reach. But... UMBC as a whole was where I was at at the moment. So for me, that moment of being in college and giving my best and whatever games I played or whatever moments I was in training, whatever I was doing in that moment, I was giving my best and being at UMBC. So during the draft, obviously my coaches, overall what I showed throughout the season and everything like that, my coaches kind of vouched for me towards the end to help me get sent to the combine, to help me get drafted, to get, those are all the next steps. But if you don't really enjoy the moment and do your best in the moment, you kind of forget about what, where you are. If that makes sense. Good. That's really good. That is, that's money right there. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I'm going to clip that from this podcast and drop that for (laughs) every one of my players to hear on Instagram. (laughs) Oh man. So, Houston, Dynamo, you guys had yeah. killer. So you played with somebody I know who we had on last summer uh, from my area in Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, Corey Ash, right? Yeah, Corey was there when I was there as well. So it was Giles, those, Corey was one of the guys that got close to it as well. He was him, uh, Beasley, as well yeah, as Giles Barnes. Yeah, so to me, yeah, so to me, I got close to a lot of the the bigger players there early on, which yeah. kind of gave me the confidence to keep striving for whatever I wanted to. You know, sure. ultimately, Houston was kind of a 
a break for me because every, being drafted there, obviously you're not going to get the same thing you're going to get every MLS team you go to or every USL team you go to. But being drafted, that helped me kind of find myself just because there people didn't really judge you for being anything else but a soccer player. You know, at the end of the day, like, people didn't really – they didn't – pick on you as much as possible you're a rookie yeah so obviously you're going to get some type of teasing here and there which is a part of our game which is a part of everything we do as humans overall but it wasn't any more or not one person was just like kind of putting you down the whole time and just kind of making you feel like you know you're just here or it's just another job it made me enjoy the part of the game that I wanted to going pro so to me overall like once I went pro I had people around where the Beasleys, the Giles, the Corey, they, they made me feel like I was a part of the team. So overall, like, it just made me feel as, as okay, I'm coming in. This isn't a thing where, oh, you're taking my job or this is this or this is that. It was just, okay, you're coming in. Let's see what you can do to help us as a team, if that That's makes so sense. Good. Do you think that yeah. had a lot to do with why Houston was so good during that time was because of that culture? Honestly, I think so. For me, the culture itself, like, first thing we did in the morning when, once we went is play ping pong against each other. You know, that... that it's <laughs> Working on that hand-eye coordination. <laughs> That's awesome. As, as, as funny as it may seem, it, it, it was one of those things that brought out another competitive side, side of us, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, we play ping pong against each other, which then it's like, okay... If you beat me here, at least I'm going to make sure you don't beat me outside for the day. So yeah, at least you don't have, yeah. you, you know what I mean? So it, it brings that competition of, okay, like, you beat me here, but I'm make sure whatever I do, you don't beat me again so you can't have one up on me. That's you know? so good. So it, it created that atmosphere of always wanting to do better than what you've been in that moment. Oh, that's good. If that makes sense. So oh, it's it, it so continued, good. Yeah. People, people are just pushing each other as much as possible and continuing to kind of favor each other and showing you that, like, you're not any less than anybody there. But yeah. you want to have to do your best and work as hard as you can yeah. to keep up with everybody there, if that makes sense. Just because oh, yeah. everyone is pushing themselves so much. So you're going to have to do your part no matter what it is. Yeah, it's so good. It's We, uh, like, I've been trying to wrap my head around some some training with um our co-head sam coach sam and uh sam leshnick and i we've been talking about it for the longest time like okay why are the kids so quiet when they come to training in the morning or afternoon like why is it so hard to break through or they're just too serious and so like we had a really bad practice and i was just like you know what like i texted her and i was like sam i said what do you think about us buying like a spike ball like thing and just get them doing that for warm up instead of running laps. And she texted back, that's the greatest idea you've ever texted me. And now we do it. And it's like, just like you described, it's, it's, it breeds this healthy competition um, where it gives the kids like a mental breakaway from the actual sport, but they're having fun, but it's still working the coordination. And then it's like game on, you know, the rest of training, like you beat me there. Oh yeah. Bring it on here. I'm going to play, I'll play you. And I, I love seeing that. It's, I think that's a, it's a really good um, piece of culture and on and, and any team is to have that. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, um, 
I just keep thinking, how crazy is it it that how random we met? You know, I was <laughs> not even on business for soccer in the academy. I own another company, and I was in what was it, Greenville or Greensboro? North. We were Green, some. I believe it was Greensboro because we were going down to Savannah, Atlanta, at least. Okay, yeah. So it was like Greensboro. <laughs> yeah, it was Greensboro. So there was like a mall next to wherever I at my hotel was. And there were so many people for this conference. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to get some food. So I walked over the mall thinking I would, I would avoid the people, but they all had the same idea. And um, I saw this, this soccer team in matching uniforms walking in. I couldn't read the logo. I'm like, who is this? And you guys were all going up the escalator to the food court where we were. And I was like, I grabbed my food. And I remember walking over to your table with you and your other buddy. And I was like, so what are you guys doing here? You're like, football like college (laughs) (laughs) and um you and I just kind of started talking and I think that's when we connected but wow what a blessing um in a small world to be away doing our thing and just you know I I don't know I kind of just went against my uh any any fears I had and reached out and I was just like you know I'm blessed that I did uh, by our friendship because um, just the, the, the wisdom that you have, um, Umar, is just, is just awesome for somebody your age and your experience. Um, it's definitely a gift on so many levels and people are blessed by it. And anybody who listens to this podcast, in my opinion, is blessed by it. You know, um, really, I, I would like for you to share your story today, like, um, you know, within your comfort level. Um, the little bit you were sharing with me on the phone yesterday about growing up in Mali, which I didn't know. Um, I, I feel like our friendship has been like peeling back an onion. Every time we talk, I learn a new part of you and it's like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm, I'm captivated, you know, and, 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 and then the wisdom with it. I think any time, you know, like when faith, faith cannot be trusted if it hasn't been tested. Yeah. In my opinion. I definitely agree. No, I definitely agree with that. And and then, is it. Like t- tell yeah. us, tell us a little bit of growing up in Mali and coming here, and you know your I, life, your life circumstances that you went through, and 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 how did they make it make you into who you were as a player and a and a and a person and a coach today? Honestly, it's everything has been different for me. How I see it is, even though I'm at a level that was a point in time where I wasn't at that level, if that makes sense. So to me, like, it's it's been a battle coming from one place to another, having to pick up a language, having to pick up skills, having to pick up everything that makes that society function on its daily basis, having to pick up that. It wasn't that it was so different from what I was used to, because for me, I'm more of uh, back home. It was more of going out and kind of hanging out with friends and going to do here, going to play soccer here. So it was always constant practice or pick up with friends, which is the same thing you do when you're over here, just not on the same developmental scale. If so you mean like you were doing the same thing in Mali as the kids are doing in the U.S.? Is that what you're referencing? Yeah, but for us, it was a little different where the get-togethers were more not – it's not always soccer that we did, but it was something that kind of brought us together, if that makes sense. Whether yes, we go yeah. swimming in a pond or we go mountain climbing, like, it was something that we always did as a group. 
which then as our friends as a whole taking a put and pick up soccer together in the neighborhood wasn't as bad you know yeah. so to me like w- once we got together it was always one that competition of okay like when we go out and play I'm gonna get this much higher than you you know like I'm gonna climb this mountain faster than you I'm gonna do this faster than you I'm gonna swim better than you I'm gonna do this better than you so it was always that competition level of always being outside and engaging with friends. So for me, it, it, coming over here wasn't that big of a different. It was just having to pick up a culture, which then mm. once you pick up the culture and understand uh, the little meats and crannies that take for you to kind of adapt to whatever culture you're in, I kind of just went through that, learning language, learning little things here and there that is acceptable for the group and what's not acceptable, then you continue to move forward. So for me, coming over wasn't necessarily like a big break, but it was just continuing what I was doing, just developing with a new group of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the process, is it's been a little different. So when I came over here, the aspect of learning a culture took me about half a year or so. And then learning the language was kind of the easiest part because I was going to school and constantly talking to friends around the neighborhood in English. So picking up English wasn't too hard for me. Yeah. And then um, basically that was the main kind of objective that you had to get across. One, picking up the language and picking up the little habits that the people around the area would carry themselves. Yeah. And you, you were telling me about moving a lot. Would you mind sharing yeah. about that? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I moved around a lot. My family wasn't always in the best situation. So we kind of jumped around in different apartment locations and different parts of town and different areas of Baltimore. But uh, for me, it was kind of the same. It didn't really make a difference where I went because I was going to continue doing what I was doing. One for me, always playing soccer was always has always been my dream. One one day I told myself I wanted to be pro just because I saw other people as pro and what what not. So my in my mind I wanted to be broke. So wherever I went, I operated in a setting that in my mind I wanted to be what I wanted to be, if that makes sense. So like I wanted to be pro. So like nothing else got in the way of that. Yeah. You know, so like wherever I moved, even if though I move into a new location, it become okay, now I can do this much more training. Oh, okay, I have a field over here. I can go running over here. I can do this over here. So it became like little locations that I can set for myself of little things I can do to reach whatever goal I had set for myself already. But at when the you, same time, like Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, like, you know, when you went through the evictions and how to move suddenly leaving things that you loved behind possessions moving to a new place yeah it hurt but like talk to me about how you felt like if it like can you be like a little like be real and just uh like share that part like would you be want to share that part of how you conquered the hurt in you and stayed positive through the uncertainty at such a young age Honestly, I, I could tell you at least like how I have thought is at the end of the day, leaving all the little things behind or leaving whatever material possessions I had at the time or whatever area I had, it was never really pain because to me, how I saw life was however 
whatever you made of life is what it turned out to be. So if you constantly moping and seeing life in a negative light, at the end of the day, that's all you're going to get. But to me, at the end of the day, material is material. Whatever you leave behind, you can always gain. If, mm. if you're not gaining the same thing, you can gain better. So to me, like how I saw, like everything I was leaving behind was what I was leaving behind. For mm. me, I'm not, I'm not a person who I'm used to being in the same location for more than a year or two. So I'm used to moving around just because as a child, I was so used to being in different places. It became that material possession didn't become an important thing to me, but what was important to me was my goal. So mm. whatever, whatever I could do for my goal or whatever aspirations I, I sat for myself, whatever I could do is what I did. So like those places, like I said, like even though like eviction might've been a thing where, okay, you lost this and this, but what I'm gaining was more than what I've lost, if that makes sense. So to me, like what, whatever, awesome. I'm, whatever I'm moving on to was a lot better than where I was. So these little, yes, I might be losing a pair of shoes. Yes, I might be losing this. Yes, I might be losing that. But when I go here, what am I gaining out of that? Okay, I'm gaining this. I'm gaining a place where I can run. I'm gaining a place where I can train on a regular. I'm getting a place where I don't have to stretch so much. So it becomes like now, like I'm looking more of what I'm gaining than what I'm losing. So overall, my mentality became, okay, wherever place you move to, your goal is to become this. So your goal is to become a pro. You know, so now, like, what are you gaining? So you're gaining this towards your goal. What are you yeah. losing? You're losing this towards your goal. So it's it's never, it was never a look at, oh, I'm being a victor. I'm moving to this place because of this. It was always, okay, like, I'm losing this, but what am I gaining out of it? If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Who, who helped, did somebody help you in that time period of your life to think that way? Or it was just some, just the wiring within you? Just Honestly, to, to attack adversity. Uh, it was for me. It was one a wiring, but two. My my dad has always been a figure in my life. However, I look at it, I might not be happy with him half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's like all our parents. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what do you know, Dad? <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, so yeah. for me, how I see it is like he might have been like it might not have been eye to eye with us, but for me, one thing he's always taught me is to work your hardest. Because mm. all I've ever saw from him was he's working from midnight to midnight on a daily basis where like I barely got to see him throughout the day. And if he come home, he comes home around like nine or 10. But as soon as he comes home, he goes to sleep mm. because he's getting ready to leave again. You know, so to me, like yeah. that, that, that mentality of, okay, this is how you grind. Whatever you do, you have to put in work. No matter how much sleep you're losing, no matter how much work you're putting in, no matter how tired you are, no matter what you think state you're in, you can always give more. Yeah. So to me, it, it became a mentality of, okay, like I'm tired today, but what am I striving for? You know, like once I know what I'm striving for, it becomes like no matter what I'm doing, I can put my full effort towards because at the end of the day, in that moment in time, I might be tired doing whatever effort I'm doing, but that moment is a lot better than whatever moment I am, like resting. I, I hate being 
a sit around type person or just kind of I don't want a nap but I need a nap (laughs) literally so like to me like I'm understanding at the end of the day like yes sometimes you need nap but it can be a 24-hour basis where every second of the day you feel like you need a nap at some point in time you got to be able to put that work in and just kind of push aside that thought of okay I need a nap you just got to push that thought aside and just work towards whatever you're aiming for because whatever you're aiming for is a lot bigger than whatever that situation is if that makes sense oh it's that's money what you're saying um I can I I can relate you know I watch my dad work a lot you know Um, he started out in the fire department and then in the mid-90s just really felt a call in his life to um to join the navy and he joined in the Naval Reserves, I think it was like 1995. Yeah. I actually was there when he um, pledged. Um, and, oh, really? And, yep, yep. My brother and I and my mom were all there. And um, uh, and then 9-11 happened. And um, he went full-time active duty. And um, from 9-11-2001, which was my freshman year of high school, through freshman year of college, I probably yeah. saw my dad collectively a year and a half in five years. Because wow. he kept volunteering to go back and serve his country. But yeah. my dad would do anything, you know, for a brother um, or a sister, to, you know, and to protect our country. And he would also do anything to protect our family and provide. And that meant sometimes sacrifice. But what I learned from him, was, or sacrifice at time, but what I learned from him was work ethic as well. And I think, um, man, I mean, it's the most valuable lesson you know um, 100% <laughs> and, and I think too like you know I mean I worked five jobs throughout high school to pay for me to play um you and I were talking about this uh, last night and I, I you know I shared with you like in all my my high school years I probably only had maybe 10 or 12 private lessons because I was paying for it all yeah I, I my parents couldn't afford it I mowed lawns, I worked at my neighbor who had a pet grooming business and washed all the dogs and blue dried them, you know, to make money. Um, I was a busser at Outback Steakhouse slash hostess. I worked at Panera Bread on the sandwich line. And then I also worked at Porn Fresh and Bad Groceries, which was like this popular grocery store down in um, southeastern Virginia and and, and Hampton Roads. And, you know... um, those sacrifices created appreciation because every time I got around those coaches, they knew what I was doing and um, I just valued everything. And, you know, the question I have for you is coming from your background and and your, your life, um, you have an amazing and positive outlook. Um, You're wired to overcome, which is awesome. I don't know if you've ever read the book grit, but you have a lot of grit, Um, you know, you could have given up easily. Um, But uh, what, what, like, how does appreciation factor into everything you, how did you appreciate the moment while going through adversity at a young age, at high school, college, into the MLS? And how do you, how does appreciation help you succeed now with where you are, you know, semi-retired, <laughs> if you would? Uh, for me, how I see it is like, 
when you truly appreciate everything you've done, you kind of you can't have any regret for it. Which mm. saying saying that in the little moments that you do have where you're not struggling or you're not tense or you're not trying to always achieve something, you got to learn to kind of adapt yourself to enjoying the little moments because you yeah. don't get them at the end of the day. A lot of those little moments you don't get often. True. So for for me, it becomes you're working so hard, but what exactly are you working for? You know, it's one, understanding what you're working for. Two, understanding that wherever you've been is where not necessarily that you want to be, but you don't, you don't ever forget where you came from. But obviously, it's never where you want to be. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So to me, like, yeah. it becomes a situation where, okay, I understand this. And on top of that, it's not only myself or my dad that's helped me through my life. So it becomes now everything else you're looking throughout life, the people around you, the people you surround yourself with, the people that have been willing to, to give help, the people that have been the little details of every step you've taken to me are what matters the most. The little details, meaning the people that are helping you, the, the situation, the, the struggle, the, the, the hard work that you've put towards reaching whatever goal you've set. So to me, those are the little details. And when you focus on the little details a lot more than you focus on where you are or n n not necessarily where you are, but if you focus on the little details, it becomes where you're paying attention to a lot more of your surroundings. Yeah. So for me, even though everything was, was not the easiest, I'm going to say not difficult because a lot of people have gone through more difficult situations than I have. But for me, what worked was in the moments that I would feel like giving up, I would think, this is the situation I'm in. This is where I'm at right now. Next year, do I want to be in the same situation? That's then, like, it turns a little notch in my head and be like, okay, whatever situation I'm in, yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, I want to lay down. Yes, blah, blah, blah. All those extra little excuses that I might make for myself, what's that next stage? What's that next, I don't even, like, for me, what's that next, what's the next step that I want to do, if that makes sense? So, to me, my goal is to become a pro. Now, mm -hmm. what's the, the little details that take into that? It's the everyday of how I carry myself. Yes, I can let my situation be heavy and basically be angry at everybody around me and calling them all sorts of name and doing all sorts of things just to make everybody back down from me. But at the same time, is that the best route? Not really, just because I have more fun having fun. Mm. That's, that's, the one, that's the one thing people forget. At the end of the day, you're so busy thinking that you're having fun that you might not have be enjoying the situation. You know, you think you're having fun, but everybody else around you or you yourself might feel a little off. But to me, what it's about thinking about those little details that sit you in a more positive light than what you would admit that you're in. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like I, it's the hardest thing. I think I'm, I remember asking one of my mentors when I was like 30 years old, <laughs> three years ago. 
<laughs> how do how do I enjoy the journey? Yeah. I was happy, but I was really unhappy. I completely understand that. <laughs> how and you know what I'm saying? It's just it's it's like I hated that term. Enjoy the journey. It's like, oh, come here. I want to throw a punch you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me introduce you to life, okay? You know, enjoy the journey. What are you talking about? Does that mean go climb a mountain and smile when you see the sunset? Like, come on, right? What is enjoy the journey to you? And how did you learn to do? How did you learn to enjoy? To me, honestly, like I said, it's the little details that I focused on. I focused more on the people who were surrounding me and trying to help me get to whatever stage I wanted to get to. At the end of the day, you always, as a person, you're going to, we talked about this earlier, you as a person, you're always going to have something that you want to do. But there's 15 million things going around you. There's always somebody fighting against you. There's always yeah. that next. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody's talking smack about you behind your back. It, it's, really, because they're too they're, they're too scared to act on their ambitions, but. <laughs> exactly, but they don't want to help you reach yours. So at the end of the day, it's, it's better to pull somebody down than it is to uplift them. Just like so two crabs me, in a bucket, right? That's it. But I always, what I always think about that saying, and the one thing I always say about that saying, crabs aren't meant to be in the bucket. Ooh. If you think about it, in the in the natural okay. aspect of things. My drop. <laughs> My in drop. The, the oh, that's so good. They're the meant to be free. In the natural aspect of things, crabs are never meant to be in the bucket. But to me, it, once you put people in a group setting or not even a group setting in an environment where they have to achieve their own goals, what happens when they start seeing other people reach theirs before them? They get and that's where that, exactly, that's where that jealousy, because jealousy, all jealousy is, is hate and love at the same time. You hate the person that is going above you, but you love them because they're achieving something that you set for yourself. That's so good. So to me, like at the end of the day, like that's all jealousy is. And at the same time, when you combine that with the crab in a bucket mentality, at the end of the day, crabs aren't meant to be in a bucket. The only reason we're they're in a bucket is because we decided to collect them. So for, for that for that aspect of things is how do you for me it's the people that surround me that made me the person I am. Because those mm-hmm. people around me, if they were constantly telling me not to strive for what I have obviously at the end of the day like there's a lot more that I feel as a player that I could have gained but at the same time I had those people motivating me because I had a goal whatever it was whether I was listening to the people I was stubborn I'll tell you that one thing I'm (laughs) one stubborn person Uh, (laughs) there's a lot of adjectives I like to use but I'm gonna give you pain in the So I'm I'm a stubborn person. So I had a lot of coaches who have tried to establish what player I could become or what I could do to better myself. But for me, I had a goal to obtain. So it's not necessarily that I've not listened to them, but I appreciated everything that they've pushed me to do to become whatever I had envisioned myself to be, if that makes sense. So oh, to yeah. me, it's always it's always about the little details, the the people around you, what you're doing on your spare time. I was doing maybe 500, 600 push-ups a day. 
to a thousand, twelve thousand, to a thousand to twelve hundred sit-ups. So to me, like wow. it, I was doing that work on my own, but that was looking after my body. So I wasn't necessarily like engaging my mind as much as I should, mm-hmm. but I was doing that extra that needed to be that extra step that needed to be. Even though if I could if I could have combined my physique with that mentality of actually doing research and understanding and doing this and doing that, that could have took me a little further. But the aspect that I see myself as what I was doing in my spare time was those sit-ups, those push-ups, those extra work that it takes to get your body ready to be in that stage, if that makes yeah. sense. You were you were preparing for, you know, to be ready at any, any time when you're called up or when, you know, when that opportunity arises. And, you know, success is when opportunity and preparedness meet. Yep, and opportunity and preparation made at the same time. That's yeah. definitely it. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, you know, like, so if you're not preparing for that opportunity and expecting it to come with a positive attitude, you're probably going to miss it because you're not yeah. looking for it. You don't know what to look for. And like you were saying earlier, you've got the vision, like, it, well, you have the idea, but it's yeah. not a vision. You don't own it yet. You're not focused on it. You know, that's so good. Um, Kind of like, you know, a question here, you know, I get from a lot of kids and I'm sure like some of the kids would want to know this, that listen to, listen to the podcast is, um, you know, did you like working out and training (laughs) and, and, and how did you conquer the feeling of, I don't feel like it today? (laughs) I can tell you at school. That's the one thing anybody would say about me. I liked working out. Mm. But once it got to that next stage of making it to the next level, it became where every day was either a workout or a training session or it became exhausting. But at the same time, it was kind of putting my goals in front of what was the I don't know exactly what word to use. Kind of what was the, uh, I guess I like the lazy decision at the time, if that makes sense. Like, so for me, it was more of like, okay, like I'm exhausted. Like, yes, I don't want to train. Yes, I don't want to lift after training. I just ran 90 minutes. I just trained for 90 minutes. I don't want to lift. Yeah. But would this put me on a higher level than the next person next to me how would this make me look how would my body react tomorrow you know it becomes about thinking about the next day the day after that because at the end of the day once you become to the next level it becomes your job to be ready whenever games are yeah so you can go train you can do all that but it's what are you doing afterwards to take care of yourself what are you what are you what's that next step in your level of your readiness are you taking initiative to be ahead of whatever game is there or whatever state you're in, or are you just letting the state you're in kind of take over and kind of just reacting to everything in front of you? So to me, it was more about setting myself to be the best I can be each game. So after each practice, if that meant running an extra mile on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then taking an easy day, Thursday, Friday, for the game Saturday. 
you know, or mm-hmm. is it, or is it like where train you train Monday, then you lift afterward, then you run a little bit Monday, then you lift Tuesday, then you maybe take it a little easy Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and get ready for the game. You know, like whatever days you kind of set for yourself to ready yourself for that next moment or that game or whatever is in front of you is kind of what helped me. And it's kind of, yes, I hated training at times, but it was something that was needed for me to achieve whatever next goal I had in mind. That's good. If that made sense. No, it's, this is money. All of this is money. I don't, I, <laughs> I, uh, I want to wrap it up here. Um, but that, um, this is, this has been, um, a, a, a action packed. Like I hope people have been taking notes through this whole podcast <laughs> because I'm just like, I'm blown away every time I, t- I think the first time I remember our first conversation when we caught up, I was just like, dang, you know, um, one of my, my favorite verses out there is uh um from one of my favorite books is still waters run deep and you know you're a pretty humble laid-back guy but man when you speak it's just like so value-added so powerful and impactful and it's a gifting I, i i encourage you to continue to act on it and use it um i think god's got a big plan for you in many ways um to impact thousands upon thousands of people um and and definitely it's your story it. and, definitely and appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome man. and and you said this to me earlier too how you know i walk around like how do i walk around with a smile and you never knew the story about losing my brother and and so forth and and you know i said this the other day in, in a podcast and it's just something i learned uh it was a amazing book called through the eyes of a lion by levi lusco um one of my mentors had uh, encouraged me to to read it right after my brother passed. And I, I read it like one month after. Mm-hmm. And thank God I did. And one of the things that he talks about in there um, is uh, pain is your microphone. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite quotes by Napoleon Hill, it, it's, it says, and I think it's perfect timing with what's going on with the coronavirus right now. And it's, you know, in every adversity, in every adversity there's a seed of equal or greater benefit yeah if you have a positive mental attitude and you search for it and it's hard sometimes to have a positive mental attitude when everything's falling down around you and out of control so difficult (laughs) but if you can just latch on to one thing and maybe maybe like for me what got me through the first six to eight months my brother uh, passed away was coaching, giving myself away, giving myself away and helping serve others. If it meant going over to a friend's house and helping them paint their house, reorganize, helping them move, um, helping them plant flowers, helping them watch their kids and take their kids out on adventures, you know, or whatever, giving yourself away and, uh, you know, um, giving a compliment to somebody, even when I didn't feel like it, just letting them know something it it's amazing what those little things can do in a moment like it just helps you get through the day by being being a blessing in somebody else's life just doing your best and trying to be your best in your darkest moment yeah i completely agree 
I think I think you've done a phenomenal job. To me, everything we talk about is as real as it gets, you know. So obviously, you've had moments and time for your own, and to me, that all that is definitely, I guess, helped me speak about all of what I've been through as well. So to me, overall, like I don't know. To me, it's just suffering and struggle and pain is all a part of life. It's just how you hope. It's how you use it to your benefit if you at the end of the day when pain happens to you if you're also constantly looking at the negative that's all you're going to see pain happens to somebody every day whether it's like the smallest things or the little detail of pain it's still something that happens to people a day it's just sometimes the little details we can choose to pick the positive where the bigger ones we, we ultimately usually end up taking the negative which they all affect us the same way so to me, I feel as though pain is a part of everybody's journey. And it's just about how they use that pain to kind of elevate themselves onto one, the next level, but into that next frame of mind. Because a lot of times for our evolution as people, like pain, I guess, what's the better word for it? Keeps us from moving forward. Because we're mm. just constantly looking at the past. We're constantly... Mm-hmm dwelling on what could have been or what should have been rather than what's next than what could be and what could have been you know so to me like instead of like looking at those things that pain either allows us to move forward with our step or keeps us restrained from moving to whatever next step that we have to so it's however how you use it or moving forward and how you use it for yourself obviously yeah but that's so good so but yeah of course no thanks for having me on this podcast it was pretty cool i'm glad i got i got to do it (laughs) we've been meaning to do it for a long time yeah like it almost (laughs) a year now i think we've been trying yeah dude this is um this is money this is really money um i really appreciate you so much so no problem at all anything to help you know